Hey, everybody. Welcome to our show, an attorney and an accountant walk into a bar. I'm John. I'm the attorney and my buddy here. I'm Kent and I'm the accountant. Hey, what are we going to talk about today, Kent? Uh, we're going to talk about me. Talk about I. Talk about number one. Oh, me, oh, my. We're going to talk about boutique accounting firms. And Sounds a- like a little bit of a marketing pitch for our firm. Well, I'll tell you why we're better. Let's get into it. All right. So, John, you know, we've actually, you know what? Have you worked for a large corporation? I've worked for a large corporation, but not a large law firm. Mm hmm. And in my history, I've worked for, you know, a couple of the big four. Right? I know. So like as, as big as accounting firms get. Yes, the uh, big ones. And, and when I graduated, there was a stigma, an absolute stigma over what we call the small firms. And in fact, the university I was at had two meet the firm days. So meet the firm days were, were days where we rented out, the, the, sorry, the campus had a hall and then all the, we'll call it, top-level firms had booths, and that Meet the Firm Day was us to meet and greet folks for the potential opportunity to either work or have an internship at those large firms. In fact, we had a whole separate day and a different facility for what we called the small firms. And in fact, many folks turned their noses up at even showing up to that firm uh, to that day and meeting anyone there and almost uh, you know, looking around and being like, I am you should be so happy that I even appeared this afternoon. And I came for the free food, in fact. But I'll grace you with a few morsels of conversation, you know, if you will entertain me. And so that philosophy is so interesting. After I got into the actual working world and after I got into doing the professions that we're in and doing it at different levels, at really high levels and then at a sole proprietorship level and where we're at now, which I would call a boutique-level firm, and I understand there's an incredibly vast difference. And I deeply feel that boutique firms, in many ways, are better than large firms. Well, I think they're better on, in two different ways, right? There's two ways to look at it. Is it a better place to work? Mm-hmm. And is it a better place to go for your services? Right? So I think, from a working standpoint, uh, a boutique firm can be, not necessarily, Mm-hmm. but can be a better place to work because you certainly have more freedom. You have more autonomy. You're going to be doing much more interesting work because there's going to be less layers of things. <clears throat> as you come in as a, a young a young lawyer into a big firm, uh, what are you going to be doing? You're lucky if you're doing motion practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're most likely going to be wading through documents and discovery and things like that and doing the shit work, as it were. Yeah. And not even get to do the fun stuff. So, but if you were to say, come work for us, I could guarantee you right out of the gate, you're going to be, you know, right on the front line. I think the way I'd categorize it in accounting, the, the, the corollary is when you first get into a large firm, you're ticking and tying. You're understanding the process for the first couple of years. You're not really having a lot of client interaction. And there are, to, to be fair, large engagements and take some time to kind of understand the nuances to it. But I would say the difference is at a boutique firm, we'll call it midsize in, in some cases. We call it boutique, but we'll call this midsize, where 
the work is just simply more fulfilling because people get to see in at all levels here not just the interaction with client but from start to finish there's a lot of high touch and we allow I think more so than a lot of firms that I've even, I even worked at or have been with that are also in the boutique or mid-size area, we allow a lot more autonomy for our team members to have what I like to coin as entrepreneurship, the ability to kind of create niches for themselves that are fulfilling in, an, in, an, in a micro niche that they like about our industry. Because even within accounting, there's tax, there's audit, there's forensic accounting, right? There's trust and estates accounting. And so there's a lot of various niches within accounting, and I know so for law, that we allow our team members to explore if they can um, prove high levels of competency. Right. And I, I think one of the things, too, that the criticism of sm the small firm is very often justified mm -hmm. because, let's face it, we all know the sole proprietor lawyer is maybe himself and a junior lawyer, or maybe himself and a couple of lawyers, and they're doing PI. Mm -hmm. Or they're doing estates and trusts. Or maybe they're just such bottom feeders, they'll do anything that comes along. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the experience that you get in a firm like that is crap. The attorney that you're working for is crap. And the experience that you're going to get is, is not good, and working for someone like that's going to be probably borderline slave labor. Mm -hmm. You're not going to pay a lot of money because they don't make a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, the guy, if you stick around long enough and the guy, you know, gets old enough to retire, maybe he'll hand off his crap practice to you and you can make crap. So, so that's, a crap terrible, cycle. that's a terrible place to be. It really is. So going into something like that as a small firm is a totally different experience from saying working with a, let's call it a little bigger firm that's maybe into what you want to be into. So it depends on what you want to be into. So if you want to do the kind of work that we do where we're representing wealthy family groups, we're doing big real estate deals, we're you know doing estate planning, it's super complicated estate planning for, mm -hmm. for wealthy individuals. You know, that's a really cool place to be and you'll get the experience that's like top level experience working as a young lawyer because you're not going to be working below five other levels of lawyers like you would be in a big firm. So, you know, I'm not, I don't think it's fair to say, oh, come work for a small firm because it's going to be so much better. That's not always true. You I think really have to know what kind I of small firm. I think in certain areas about. we hit way heavier, way above our belt, we'll call it, um, as, as the saying goes. But I, w I do agree with you in terms of beware of the sole proprietor. And actually, so much so, beware of the overconfident sole proprietor. No, because indeed. in those cases, it, accountants included, you know, you had one in your, in your history where they're like, yeah, sure, take that deduction, do these things. Right. Right. Um, and that doesn't necessarily come from an herald. Yeah, doesn't necessarily come. Um, Harold's advice doesn't come from a place of uh, learned research. No. Uh, and the amount that I spend or you spend on the research technology that we have and the resources that we have are, I think, very tremendous. And it, I don't never mean to be tepid for a client's, but I'm typically never off the cuff to say, this is the amount, unless I recently looked it up. The idea is that I believe this is generally the case, but before I give you a definitive answer, I am going to look up the current case law 
and the current ruling, because with Tax Cut Jobs Act of 2017, it changed quite a bit on our tax rulings and how we treat exchanges, foreign transactions, things like that. Yep. So the rules do change. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think there's the equivalent, too, for accounting, right? Mm -hmm. If you were to work for a sole proprietor who does nothing but 1040 tax returns, you know, at $800, $1,000 a crack, and he does, you know, 3,000 of them every year to make his nut, that's not going to be a very exciting place to work. Not only that, but arguably those types of firms, uh, from an accounting perspective, are going to be the first to go with the introduction of new technology, right? So, Absolutely. Uh, TurboTax has been getting more sophisticated. I even encourage some folks that come to us that are not the right profile to say, hey, listen, TurboTax can actually do all these things for you. And I encourage you from a value perspective to explore that technology. And in previous episodes, we've talked about AI. And I think at the lowest levels, and that's what I call some of those smaller firm, um, firm levels, that can be replaced by a generative AI technology. Um, being the first, we'll call it, on the chopping block for something like that. And I think that people who are looking for sole proprietorship or looking for a, a small firm, it's, it's the, 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 the type of individual that is is typically someone that is either in a career change, right, didn't, didn't graduate directly from law school, wanted to change, or, or directly from accounting or was in a different career field and starting to get their feet wet in the industry. I think the place for sole proprietorship is to get that block on your resume and say, hey, I worked at a law firm. Because you and I both know that someone coming out of the car sales industry, we wouldn't bring in and be like, hey, you could be a paralegal. Why don't we see what you got going on? Right? There'd be a much larger jump. Um, we wouldn't bite on that. But potentially a sole proprietor would be like, hey, I'll take a shot. You got you got brains between your ears and you got a pulse? Come on in. Let's see what you can do. Now we're going to grind you, right? And we're going to make you work 80, 100 hours a week, and you might burn out, but you're going to get some experience. And I think the lower comp is the pay to play in that sense. And then on the other side, you have the big firms. So where small firms don't compete on big firms is, and we've recently run into this in the job market, is the land of perks, Right? Yeah. Outside of fulfilling work. We used to call it the keys to the executive washroom. Keys to the executive washroom. Yes. I like it. Um, is that the gilded toilets? The gilded thrones? Right. Got it. Notice I said wash. Wash. Because my grandmother was from Boston, so the, we didn't say wash. And she, she passed the swalt? <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> In those cases, we see firms just lavishing their... Uh, uh, potential candidates and their current staff with like private car credits and all these uh, all these funds to create home offices and all these we'll call it perks but when it comes down to it when we talk to people that end up joining us they realize that those perks were there to mask a non-fulfillment in their relationship with their professional services and pain what, and suffering bingo from the grind it's Some of the like, stories, especially in accounting, that I have heard of, you know, working till 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning. Are mm -hmm. you kidding me? Yeah. I mean, there were times where we were, um, we were lauded if a partner knew that we spent an all-nighter, you know. And there was that, uh, that kind of unspoken word where they gave you that wink and they were like, good job. You know, you sacrificed yourself for the sake of, uh, you know, the firm. And that shows, in their, in their mind, commitment. Now, what I think it is, it is a product of poor planning. There are times, though, that are valid where 
It's the client, because we're in a client service industry where we just don't get information and the deadline doesn't change. Right. Like the accounting and tax deadline, it does not change you know, year over year, unless there is a disaster, like sometimes there is, and we get relief. But for the most part, that doesn't change. Our pressure is usually done by client, but also then that becomes planning. And I think that's a, a product of poor planning, but it's been converted to a badge of honor, which I think is something that is cultural within larger firms, both legal and accounting, that the all-nighter, the, the, the sacrificing your relationship with your family is key to success. And I think as we get along in our careers, we realize that work and team and fulfillment are higher priority for the people that we work with on our team than perks and the highest salary you can possibly get. Well, I mean, those perks come with, like we said, like the horrible price that comes with that. And I think that the perks that you get in a small firm are underrated because what do you get in a small firm? Well, 99.97% of the time we go home at 5 o'clock. Very rare, very rare that we have to stay. <laughs> I work a lot on the weekends and I work late, but that's that's just me. Um, that's a whole other conversation you, about you don't being have to, but a partner I mean, or owner. That's well, a different. Yeah, that's a different thing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, so you, you get that kind of you know the perk of having certainty. You also, but what they don't see is this. It's like you get to do the things that the more advanced higher up lawyers do mm -hmm. right out of the gate. You don't end up. I mean. Let's let's liken it without so, so I don't get technical. Liken it to being a, a mechanic at uh, you know uh, Valvoline. What are you going to do? Pull the pull the oil plug out and, and change the oil filter. That's all you ever get to do, and that's all you're ever going to do. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what it's like working in a big firm, especially on the bottom level. They're going to give you something very menial to do, and they don't care to teach you a damn thing. And but in a, in a firm like mine. You're going to come in, and I'm going to need you to do big boy stuff. I'm going to need you to put on your, your big boy pants, and we're going to go to work day one. You know, what's, what is interesting is that I tell folks, there are folks that I know that I say, you'll be better off at a big four. And that's sort of a backhanded compliment in, in, in one way, is that at a big four, it's easy for folks to hide, meaning hide within the infrastructure. So if somebody, for example, in tax, where I built my bones, if someone isn't very technical in tax, they don't know the code sections, 263A confuses them, FAS 109 and ASC 740, and all that stuff is just, they don't really spend the time to learn the technical backing of what we do. They get to go into a large firm and be absorbed in the process because firms, large firms, create process around it. And so there's like templates and templates upon templates. And if you don't know what you're talking about, you can like hide behind emails and the process and the structures and the tiers and the levels. Uh, when you come to a boutique firm, we require people to perform. But part of work, part of the value and you get out of the work life is the ability to gain skills so that you have confidence to perform. And the other thing that I think is, that is missing that is not really talked about uh, between large firms and also even sole proprietorships. And sole proprietorships, we call that the dictatorship, right? Where the partner is like, you do what I say, and you do it, and you shut up and you go home when I tell you, right? In the big firm, it's like, hey, here's a bunch of money, here's a bunch of perks, but you still will do what I tell you and give yourself to the firm. What I think that boutiques firms like ours can allow and provide is outside of just, you know, work fulfillment, 
important is having a voice, a voice within the firm to actually make changes and, and talk about the improvement of the firm as a whole. Because as you and I are both open to everyone, since we're so selective about the people we add to our team, we want to and we encourage ourselves and we try and explain or, or show the people that are part of our team that we respect their voice. We want to hear it because we think that they're a part of our team because we value their input. And what I, what I think bigger firms, they don't care. There's, there's equity partners that I know at big four firms that are like, I, I can't make any changes. I'm just a guy. Yeah. But I'm like, you are an equity partner. How are you just a guy? Well, that, that's true, too. And think about this, too. As a first-year lawyer or accountant, how often are you going to interact with Kent or John? Every day. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, you know, in our legal team meetings, everyone's there. And, you know, we're going through things and working through problems and interacting with our staff. And, you know, if you look at my brother and myself, who are, you know, kind of the, the senior lawyers, you're looking at between the two of us 70 years of experience. Yeah. And there's something to be said for that. And to be able to, to be part of that, you're never going to be part of that in a big firm. And, and I'll, I will give you an applause for this. Everyone down to the intern is present. Right. And what that gives them is trial by fire. Mm -hmm. so when people jump into a career like ours, it's really important, I think, for them to understand whether it's something they want to do. And the only way they figure it out is to see people functioning at the highest levels. If that is the career that they like and they, 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 the lifestyle that uh, you and I live, if it's something that is potentially interesting for them to emulate or have one day as a professional, it's important for them to know that early on. Because people kind of get these rose-colored glasses about what partners do at a firm and what yeah. a lifestyle of a partner is. Yep. But it's really important. And it, it's also just... Not as a, this is across the board, small firms, boutique firms, and large firms. It's really actually very important as a call it a career advice thing is to look at the lifestyle of the partners, what they value, what they say, and what they do, and understand that if you have a long-term commitment in your career to that firm, chances are your lifestyle um, and your li personal values and how you're going to have to treat those close to you in your life, personal and professionally, are going to emulate. The partners, uh, how the partners treat the firm, or how partners treat all the people that are working um, with them on their team, because the tone comes from the top. Yep. And so, even at a nice boutique firm, if the partnership or the partners have a focus that is not in line with your personal ethos or values, I would question whether that is the firm for that person. Yeah, you know about that. Yeah. So, Kent, I mean, that's the big question. It's like if you're a client. You're looking for a lawyer, you're looking for an accountant. Why would you want to pick a smaller firm over a bigger one? Because you know, everyone's got the idea that, well, if I go to the big firm, they're going to charge me all this money, you know, upwards of $1,000 an hour. That must be really good. If I, I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win, right? We, we talk about that as the professional version of a Veblian good, right? The higher the price, the higher the perceived value of it, and the higher the demand for it. But I agree with you, the right... The, the other components that come with a large firm is we'll call it brand recognition, yeah. where you feel comfortable with something that they, they've heard of before. Yeah, because you saw the name on the building. Bingo. And they... Here, here's the part you don't get. What's that? Uh, that name on the building costs a lot of money, and guess who paid for that? 
Oh, the clients. clients. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it must mean, John, that they're good because they made so much money to put the name on the building. Maybe. Uh, what they haven't Maybe heard of uh, is file churning. Right. Right? And, um, and the equivalent of that in, uh, in accounting is just the inefficiencies of a large-scale team to accomplish a very specific or tactical, uh, a tactical maneuver in the tax or law. And I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of pros, though, to, to large firms. The access to resources can be one. The ability to have uh, a, a really broad scope of services available to you under one roof. One of the reasons why, not in, a, not in, not in law or accounting, that we refer clients to a larger bank per se, right, a banking relationship, is access to resources. And in, a, in, in the accounting version, uh, both Deloitte and Grant Thornton and PwC and EY, they have something called Washington National, right? We call that the Washington National Department, which in our lingo is like the technical department, the nerd people, the really researchers, that if you had a technical question you really wanted to know the answer to, you, as a partner, you don't actually have to do the research. You call the whole research team. And that research team does all this work for you. And then, of course, you have uh, access to this breadth of knowledge and business. In fact, they hire folks that were part of the legislation or that, that put those tax laws into effect. And that could be good for a certain profile of client. But I think where boutique firms outshine, especially in accounting, is in very niche or tactical service areas. And where we have our niche, we're good at. But we don't have our niche, John, I reckon we have to recommend out. Like, for example, um, heavy international tax. That is not our area of expertise, and we have expertise to do that. But maybe at a large firm, they could do it all. Well, here's, here's a – I think you're right because I want to start out by saying what I think is good about big firms because I don't want this to just be a sales pitch for taxes, right? Mm-hmm. And what I think is good about big firms is, is the depth of the bench. Yeah. I so agree. you go to a big firm and – Maybe I find out, yeah, you know, this attorney, is he's like the best at, um, I don't know. Employment law. Employment law. Okay, good one. Great. And so I'm a, I'm a business and I'm working there and it's like, now I've got a problem with uh, trade secrets. Oh, well, we got someone for that. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Here's the problem with that. You may have found the best lawyer for employment law. But the guy he's going to give you is within his firm. He may not be the best guy at trade secrets. Got it. Right? Because they're going to sell you what's within their their firm. It's like almost going to Kaiser. You go to Kaiser, sure, you can get a cardiologist, and maybe he's a really good cardiologist, but maybe you need to see a rheumatologist too, and they refer you to a guy who's a piece of crap. Yeah. I did that word again. I'm sorry. (laughs) So anyway, the point being that you're not always necessarily going to get the best person. The difference for, for myself as a lawyer is I do have very things that I feel that I'm very good at. I feel things that the firm is very good at, and that's what I want my clients to be with us to do. And if I were to find a client that said, say, they had a criminal problem or let's say they had needed a divorce, things that I would never touch with a 10-foot pole, do I have someone in our firm that I can give them? No, I don't. Mm-hmm. But because I treat all of my clients as friends 
is I, I treat them as I would family. We have a deep personal connection because that's how I work with people. I know mm-hmm. that's how you work with people too. I'm going to kill myself to find the best divorce lawyer for them. That's right. I'm going to find the best criminal lawyer for them. And yeah. not only that, I'm not going to say, hey, better call Saul. I found the guy. Yeah. No, I'm going to call the guy. And I'm going to tell him my client's problem. I'm going to screen him and make sure that he's on board with our strategy and with what I want him that's to right. do. And that's not going to happen in a big firm because that a partner in a big firm, even if you're with a partner, he's bound, in a sense, yeah. to refer someone within his firm. Yeah, so as a, as a boutique firm, I think we carry, you and I, I know specifically, carry a lot of rep, reputational responsibility. Yeah. And meaning anyone we refer out, because we have such a deep, uh, deep relationship with our clients, it's an extension of our reputation. So we are very, very selective in terms of who we would want to refer our client base out to because we can expect to continue working with them in the future on their other projects. And the, the other analogy is I think larger firms have, are excellent at breadth, right? We are excellent and boutique firms are excellent at depth. So we don't just lightly touch a lot of things. The things that we are good at, we do it to such a, an extent it's such an exceptional extent, I think that it's hard for a larger firm to match the amount of depth that we take because we don't have as many clients. Let's, let's, right. let's, do the, let's do the economics of it. And so the clients we do have, it behooves us to give all our energy and effort and technical ability into supporting them. And when you take on a case, it's not just one of a thousand cases, right? You may have seven cases or just four cases going on and these clients have a really depth of relationship it's like defending their honor is our responsibility and you know i think that's the other thing that is a key uh component of having a a good lawyer and having and the attribute of a small firm that is very beneficial is that if you have a smaller firm and you are you know an important client which all in clients are very important, mm-hmm. especially in a small firm. Um, the lawyers, especially like myself, are going to pay personal attention to making sure that you have a good outcome. That's right. Where in a big firm, you know, you have to understand, even if you're a partner, you've got 20, 30, 40, 50 matters you're dealing with, 20, 30, 40, 50 clients. Um, even if they're a good guy, it's kind of hard to have any kind of personal touch with that. Sure. You know, I have myself being an entrepreneur, I've hired those big firms for my companies and I've worked with them mm-hmm. and um, very cold. Yeah. And I found that if things weren't going their way or, you know, I was having difficulty in certain ways, they'd just drop you like a hot potato, just like done. Yeah. We don't want you anymore. I remember one big firm with, I, I was working with them from a while and I, I wasn't liking their strategy. And I talked to the partner about, you know, I wanted to go a different direction, uh, be a little more creative with uh, what we were doing. He's like, nope. And then the next thing I know, I get a, a substitution of attorney in the mail. Wow. It's like, shit, I just gave you guys $120,000 over the last year to work for me. And, uh, you know, Basically, F you. Yeah. Wow. 
And so, and, and, you know, now, and as a lawyer looking at that, I'm like, I know what he did. It wasn't him. Yeah. I know that he had to go to a board Mm -hmm. and he had to review his client relationships every so often. Mm -hmm. And I know that he, you know, the, the, probably the big cheese was like, well, what's, who's this little, this little fuck over here and he doesn't like what we're doing and fuck that guy, you know, uh, just send him an SOA, fuck him. Yeah. I, I think that what you're, what you're hitting at is the impersonal nature of having a larger operation. It's just not feasible for a partner at larger firms to be that connected. And the other, I think the other opportunity that uh, avails himself of our client base, especially with wealthy family groups, is access. What does that mean? The, the, the highest levels of our clients, the, the depth of our relationship allows them to be comfortable enough to reach out to us when they think something may be an issue or bring us in on the discussion before the problem happens. We do a lot right. of planning that never goes to court, right? We right. do a lot of planning strategy before any actions are taken, and we prevent issues from happening. These big firms tend to be brought into uh, the arena when shit already hit the fan, and they're on the defense. A lot of what we do is proactive. What people don't realize is the audit you never had, you're welcome. Yep. The lawsuit. The lawsuit you never had. You're welcome. You're welcome. And I think that's you know a really big part of when I think of some of the work that we do with our clients too. It's like we're there to try and help and guide them through their business. It's a personal relationship. We understand the client. We understand their financial situation, mm-hmm. and we can tailor our advice to that. You know, I, a great example is this actually happened today in our legal meeting. Um, I was explaining a situation that happened in a lawsuit, and our client had become very, very angry about it, and he wanted blood and he wanted vengeance. But we know that client so well that I knew he couldn't afford that. Yeah. And that if he was going to um, embellish his emotion and bring that anger to bear on this particular matter that he might well go broke doing that. Mm -hmm. So we were able to sit there and go, oh, you know, maybe we shouldn't do this. Maybe we should have a different approach. And I know you're angry right now, but let's just take a very measured approach on how how we do this because I understand your financial situation where I guarantee you in a big firm would be like, oh, mad client. Weapons free, all lawyers on deck, everybody bill this, four lawyers reading every email, and next thing you know, (laughs) you're broke. Next. so (laughs) I guarantee you that's what would happen. And so my, my, I think both of our opinions is that boutique firms have their place for the right client. And a lot of folks that think they need to have access to brands are, are, uh, of larger firms and all this horsepower are more likely better served at boutique firms. And I'm not saying just, just us, but the right firm for the job. Right. So it could be us for estates and trusts and civil and then someone else for family, right? And someone else for if there is a PI issue, right? And for accounting and tax, for their initial planning. And I love clients. I love clients that join us grow and grow beyond our capacity and I allow and I help them and assist them to move on to a larger firm that has greater horsepower and capacity for them. It is so 
uh, man, it is so fulfilling for me to see a client grow beyond our capacity. And I think that for the lesson here is that folks should really be very careful about their choice of professional and then also take a look at these boutique firms and also learn how to ask the right questions. We, I think we had another podcast about um, the questions to ask. That's what I was thinking too. See our podcast on choosing the right professional because if this is where you've come to in this decision, mm -hmm. is taxes the right firm for you? Well, give us a call, find out. But you know, also look at that video because that's a really, really important thing because – May you know there are certain levels where you do need the big firms. I, yeah. I absolutely look. You're going to take a public a, a company public. Sorry. Yeah. No way. Yeah. No yeah. way. I yeah. wish I could say that, but you know what the sad thing is, we all know there's guys out there that will take it. We'll say. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. I can do that for you. And then they're thinking, how do I do that? <laughs> I think I'll go get my practice guide and figure it out. That's not who you yeah. want to take your company public. So if any listeners out there are interested in, in they call it the continuation uh, or, or the correlation of this topic in terms of how to seek out um, the, prof the right professional, go ahead and you know click the link. We'll put it in our bio or in the video. Uh, so check that out. Again, we thank all listeners for tuning in with us, listening to us talk about our fun accounting and legal stuff if uh, i'd love to hear everyone to share their experiences with us so like subscribe give us comments let us know what you think you can email us at podcast at taxis.com we'd love to hear from all of you we thank you so much for listening until next time